should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because wild, wild horses couldn't drag us away. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Bennett, who will be holding a press conference later today to announce the allegations he is making against himself. Bennett, <laughs> if you're one of those soda machines with the touchscreen and all the options, what are you getting? Um... As in, like a in the cinema type thing. Sure, you know they Where have it's the like one a soda that, stream. Like he's got like the touch screen and it has like Coke and, and yeah, Sprite, yeah. and um, you can add additional flavors to it and stuff. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very basic. I would probably just get like regular ginger ale wow, to be honest. The worst. Wow, yeah, you are the I know, worst. I know. It's extremely white bread. <laughs> I like um, ginger ale. My tummy hurts. My tummy often does hurt, so uh, that's why I'm generally on the ginger ale. So thank you for sharing that with our audience. Thank you. I haven't had an excuse to play one of the okay. stupid sound effects My yet tummy that came hurts. with the there we, we put that sound effect in. That's good. What's your dumbass diabetes drink? Let's uh, fucking go. I mean, I'm I'm still but basically as basic as you, uh, but I like myself a Coca-Cola with lime. With Ooh, lime. Okay, but like yeah. lime flavoring rather yeah. than like an actual lime squeeze. I mean, if it's an actual lime, that's all the better. But you know, the the, the let's be honest, the lime flavoring is just sweetened lime juice. Yeah, uh, and that's what we all want. That's really yeah. what we all want. That's true. You're not <laughs> wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, anyways, Benedict, uh, this is the show where we go deep, mm, deep, deep, deep to plumb the depths of right wing thought. I know we're blowing through the beginning here this week. It feels weird. Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't know it's why. good. Normally, we linger so long. <laughs> yeah, well, normally you ask a question that I don't have an immediate answer to, and then I have to hum and ha for yeah. a while, which is yep. the problem. Yeah. By reviewing a chapter from work of conservative nonfiction, and in between, we take a look at other examples of the right doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off, Benedict. Do you have a hot take for us this week? Yes, I do. And it is that the Twitter files were not the Pentagon Good Papers. Oh, God. Oh, my God. The How boring. Twitter files. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I figured it might also be yours, so I thought we could maybe talk about it. Um, no, my, mine is Let Twitter Burn. That's actually oh, okay, mine this cool. week. I'm, All right, I, good. I got a response this morning from a fucking white supremacist to one of my posts yeah I and saw i'm just that. like you know maybe we just let it burn at this point <laughs> i was like maybe do not engage do I not blocked engage him. i yeah, blocked good. him i don't engage with that shit. yeah no i know uh yeah it was a white lives matter account uh, yes so that was good um it, the, the one of i think their pinned tweet was something about how kanye was right so that's yeah sure what we're talking about going great anyway um well two hot, i guess two hot takes one and i think i've said this before but uh, like i hate that our podcast seems to keep being fucking prescient rather than looking <laughs> into the past that oh you'd like us to be irrelevant not irrelevant well yes actually yes i would if i could get rid of if us becoming irrelevant meant that there was no more white supremacy and nazism yeah, on the nice. rise then nice. yes i would love us to be irrelevant but we are not we are fucking prescient um so that's annoying and then, yeah, the Twitter files were kind of boring. Um, yeah, there was no there there. 
There yeah, was just, it, it's yeah, it's it's like oh, Twitter got emails from people who were like, hey, you know, maybe you should take this down, and they yeah did. Okay, that's a well. Great scoop. Also, I mean, someone, someone. Fortunately, the web archive exists, and someone went and looked at I think four of the five, and they were like dick pics. Like they were, all, <laughs> they were all, no, genuinely, they were like Hunter Biden's dick pics. We um, need to speak for a moment ale- about how allegedly that's kind of a hot picture. Uh, I can be honest about that. I can be honest about. I that. I kinda myself hot. have not seen the the picture, um, but Ooh, you know, currently taste- my phone lock screen. <laughs> tasteful angles and such um yeah so no that like that guy matt taby is a, a piece weird, of shit yeah um yeah and he kind of went down the rabbit hole several times um with past things and also has other bad things about him that have been alleged um so yeah not great uh kind of a yeah and then it just elon being like get the popcorn out oh we're just checking a few facts we're like yeah but like you gotta have actual revelations there if you're gonna do this shit and like it's clearly a political play like it's it's like because he they didn't say anything about the requests from the actual trump white house about tweets being taken down like that was also a thing that he mentioned as like a sidebar like they received requests from the biden campaign and the trump white house which like that seems way more of a of an impingement of first Amendment oh that was one of my me. favorite like, parts was i think taibi and other people like him go this is the this is a violation of the first amendment with a biden's biden campaign was yep. uh going to twitter and trying to get stuff taken down and then yeah paying no attention to the fact that the guy who was actually the president at the time was doing the same thing yeah, oh, and I I don't think that uh, like I think pointing out when something I know it's a slippery slope, but mm-hmm. we're here, we're talking about it. Let's do it. I think the government pointing out when something violates a platform's stated terms of service mm-hmm. is very different to saying you can't let this be on your site. It's the right. government's decision. Like. And and that that's what they were doing from the the posts that they highlighted. They were like, "Hey, here's some things we've seen that violate your terms of service, and also we would like them taken down." Like, yep, that doesn't seem like a problem to me. But you know, no. And I, just I, this I morning, see, I think Elon I tweeted you... about how Twitter interfered with the Brazilian elections. So he's yeah, out there that's now bad. trying yeah. to support a coup. Yeah, uh, which I, still so, might happen at this but, point. I can see how you could get from one to the other um, of like the violating the terms of service versus flat out saying, take this down. We don't like it. Like I can see that it's potentially a slippery slope, but I also, I don't think that's enough of a start on, it's not enough of a beginning the ski down the slippery slope to, uh, okay, to worry we need anyway. to stop being a current events show. We can't do this. We need, know, we need to get away know, from, know, from know, what's know, happening know, in the world. No, right but now. this is kind of relevant to what we do. Um, and also, I'm only saying it so I don't have to talk about fucking Kanye. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just ignore that for the moment. Uh, did you see he fired Milo, though? Yes, I did. Yeah, yes, I did. Good. God, good. I want to talk about it, but we can't talk about it on this show. Okay. This is not a current fine, event show. Fine, fine. We'll talk about it on the Patreon. Come on the Patreon. On housekeeping this week, Benedict. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, uh, I don't think you got time for a tidbit after this show. Let's do it. Uh, maybe. Let's see how long this is. Yeah, goes. we'll see how we go. Uh, housekeeping this week. Remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Uh, follow us on the social media. A couple of updates this week. One being that Stuart Elmer Rhodes, actually Elmer's his first name, was found guilty on seditious, seditious conspiracy as well as other charges and will likely be uh, seeing the inside of a prison for a long time for the near future. And 
you know, as an anti-prison person, uh, I don't think there are many of us who deny there are some people that, for the safety of society, do need to be separated from the mm-hmm. rest of us. And I think Stuart Rhodes is one of those few. Uh, that number is just far less than we have now. But certainly, I think Stuart being uh, convicted is a good thing. He's a massive piece of shit. Also, Stuart's son, Dakota, turns out is completely based uh, in a good way. He's okay. out there. <laughs> uh, I ran across him on the day that Stuart was convicted and found his Twitter profile. And he's out there tweeting out like sock done left memes and stuff. Um, <laughs> and he's based. He's good. He's cool. Um, other update this week. I was on uh, with X and the Utah Outcast last night as we sit here recording for about five hours. That was a long recording. It's too set. long. It is too it long. Was that very is. Very long. Uh, but uh, we had a whole lot of fun, so there's a couple of hours of content there. If you want to go check it out, of course, over on their YouTube and Twitch um, and wherever else you can find their stuff, uh, you can go check out uh, me over there and uh, yeah, having a little fun as it got late and I got tired and, and sleepy and a little loopy. So, mm-hmm. we have some inductees, Benedict, this week into the spooky Great. world, New Let's World Order. And I'll just say right now, I don't remember if we did this one last week and I just forgot to take it off of my notes. Whatever, people can be in twice. Sure. Isaac Horvat, new patron. We did that last week, didn't we? We did, yeah, we did, yeah. Did we? I, I'm sure. 90% sure we did, but you know yeah, what? I've already got sure. it on the notes and I've already That's said fine. it. That's fine. Welcome I'm, again. I'm Hat not... tip, rumble, cut eight, go. That's what you get. You don't yeah. get spooky world, New World Order. <laughs> you get that in You get a hat tip. You get a hat tip, exactly. Others, others this week. Mockingbird Nation, uh, who's... uh, Did I do this one last week, too? It sounds like you've prepared really poorly this week, Kevin. I can't remember if I deleted my notes from the last episode or not, so you know what? This is going in as well. Mockingbird Nation, who spotted that one of the signs in Police State 2000 said local police station... Uh, on our patron-only bonus that we did, uh, we didn't do that this week. Be- last week, because okay, we recorded good. after we recorded the patron episode after yes, we recorded the regular. You episodes. are correct. Uh, so spotted that one of the signs on the the videos we were watching said "local police station," which is is how police stations have signs. Uh, mm-hmm. during a segment that we very much suspected was all training exercises. And I think that very much seems to support that idea. So just mm-hmm. wanted to give that there. Uh, Mockingbird Nation, you are, of course, part of our... Blue World Spooky World Order. And, of course, we have to give one to DJ Danarchy, who uh, was out there on Twitter promoting us to other people. DJ yeah. Danarchy, you are now part of our... Blue World Spooky World Order. And one more for Utah Outcasts, of course, for being so gracious to have me on with them this week. You are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. And, of course, if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, bleh, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending to others, send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can, drop me a screenshot to let me know, make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. Benedict! Mm. All that out of the way, why don't we get into the meat of today's episode. Kevin hasn't told me what today's episode is about I and I he is I he is gleeful about oh, I'm it. So, so happy. I'm so happy. So at the end of last week's episode, um and you know, obviously the listener know what knows what today's episode is about. 
<laughs> but at the end of last week's episode, uh, Benedict and I talked about the next Lunatic Fringe episode, which we often do after we finish a book because it's coming up next week. And I decided that we, it would be on right-wing voter fraud conspiracy theories. Oh, fun. Which obviously is topical and relevant. And although I think uh, both of us were surprised that in this last cycle, the voter fraud claims were much less prevalent than they were in 2020, right? You definitely had them in Arizona. You had them in Pennsylvania. Uh, Mm -hmm. but you didn't have the wide-ranging every single member of the Republican Party claiming that voter fraud happened in every single race. It just, it wasn't there. Yep. And as far as Benedict thinks, that's the episode we're still about to do. Uh, But then, something happened this last week that made me suddenly realize there is a topic so close to my heart that somehow we have never done an episode about and Mm. that desperately needs to be covered. And Benedict, can you guess based on the news of the last week, what I might be talking about. No. You have no idea. You've just no. been so out of it, you can't think of a single thing. It could be thousands of things. Well, Benedict, Literally I, thousands. I am, of course, talking about the sentencing of Jacob Wall and Jack Berkman <laughs> in one of their three ongoing <laughs> criminal cases to All perform right, let's go. 500 oh, hours I'm actually excited. Service. Okay, let's do this. This is fun. Yes, okay. Yes. I'm, into it. I'm rolling up you my sleeves. You were so apprehensive. You were so, so worried about what I was going to make you yeah, sit yeah. through. <laughs> no, I was. Let's go. Yep. Okay. No, I'm excited about this. Also, okay. Cut this out if it ruins the episode. Uh-huh. But didn't the judge sentence them to helping people register to vote? F- Five hundred seemed... hours of community service registering. I think it was specified like underprivileged or minority voters in Washington D.C. It feels like that might be not the best punishment for them. Well, but they still got three other criminal cases against them. <laughs> okay. I think at some point they're going to get bit. Okay, uh, I don't. I don't feel like we should be entrusting them to register oh, underprivileged people. Well, you know, the real beauty of it is. If they violate the terms of their community service arrangement, then they do go to prison. So, oh, okay, that's fine then. Yeah, yeah, they're really, uh, they're really uh, stuck with this one. So, longtime listeners know of my deep, deep love for Jacob and all of his hipster coffee shops mm. and fake intelligence agencies. And I think it's only fair that the rest of you get to learn about this true giant of a Republican political figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to give at the beginning credit for a huge amount of this research, particularly into Jacob's earlier life, uh, to a YouTube channel called Oki's Weird Stories, OKI, okay. uh, who has a great two-parter on Wool and Berkman that I relied on pretty heavily for this episode. So you should definitely go watch that. Um, his work is amazing. The man makes really great YouTube documentaries. Uh, you should definitely check it out. It'll be in the show notes, presumably. Yes, it, it will be in the show notes. So... Jacob Alexander Wool was born December 12th, 1997. 97, Benedict. That's upsetting. He's that much younger than us. That's extremely upsetting. It is. In Los Angeles, California. And his parents bought him a suit way too young. I know that because okay. I've seen photos. Uh, his father, David, was a criminal defense attorney. You didn't attorney. have a suit when you were three? Uh, not that I recall. No, uh, I bet you did. <sighs> It was a I bet you did. It was velour. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but his, his father, David, was a criminal defense attorney who made regular appearances on the local news and eventually on Fox News throughout the late 2000s and 2010s. I'm always fascinated by what people's parents do. I think that's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, so many of the people that we've looked into, I mean, depending on what era they come from, sometimes it's just like, ah, they were a farmer and yeah. they farmed. Uh, but other times there are some interesting folks who, who had... You know, 
I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. And the, the one, I don't know why, the one that pops to my mind is just David Koresh, but his mom, he just had a horrible, uh, <laughs> he had some horrible stuff going on with his parents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even not those people, but just like, you know, like people whose parents are like super rich and they become raving lefties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and the other way around, like people who have like hippy dippy parents, and then they they become like super arch conservative. Like, yeah, it's, it's the old Pat Oswalt fun... joke, right? That yeah, all the hippies yeah. just ruined ruined everything for everyone because all their kids didn't want that shit. Yeah, and then they all became boomers, so it like yep. double reinforced it. <laughs> so Jacobs, uh, well, I should just finish to let you know that you know uh, it, 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 he seems to have pursued. A career in media, right? David did, but he was never really successful at it. So sorry, he was a defense attorney, so he was defending, yes, he was. right? Okay, right. But you know, it, it appears that his love of being on camera has rubbed off on his son Jacob. What that tends to happen, also. Um, what was he on Fox doing? He was just sort of a, a commentator. You know, they'd have him on to talk about some legal thing, right? Or okay. other times, you know. But was he like, the, did he go on to get yelled at? Like, no, no, no definitely okay. not. He was definitely he there pushing the Fox News line. Definitely on that. That's side interesting of for a defense attorney, though, isn't it? Uh, you know, I there are different kinds of defense attorneys out there. I think that most defense attorneys I've ever met, yeah, definitely lean towards the left. Uh, there are some out there who take the sort of cases that get people angry. You know, Alex Jones's attorney, Norm Pattis, is probably yeah, one of those type. Okay. He's definitely a right winger. Uh, but uh, there, there's different types out there. All sorts. <laughs> also, of Johnny Cochran. So <laughs> you know. Uh, but Jacob's mother was a social worker. Okay. And she had divorced David while Jacob was still young. Okay. Uh, so Jacob's first foray into the public arena was in 2015 when he appeared on Fox Business at 17 years old. And he had actually had some local media spots before this, but this is his first big one. Uh, okay. As a supposed child prodigy hedge fund manager. Jeez. Are you even allowed to manage money at 17? I thought you had to be 18. <laughs> You know, uh, I didn't actually look into whether or not there was any issue with him being 17. I didn't think of that when I was doing it. But <laughs> as we'll see, maybe it's best if you wait till a little later in life. <laughs> a little more experience. Okay. What had he done as a, to, be, to be labeled a child prodigy other well, than like... So he claims, and he said this in several interviews, that his first foray into investing was at the age of eight when he shorted five shares of SPY. Okay, which is um, the, I have the significant stock. reason by which I mean the eleven-page outline I have written for today to say that that didn't ever actually happen. Okay, so that's the that's basically the index that tracks the uh, S and P five hundred SPY. Yes, yes. Uh, so it's just, just to let the listener know. Yes, Benedict knows smart people things. Uh, but Jacob, <sighs> you know, Jacob seems to have early on tried to position himself as a child prodigy. He really wanted people to believe that, when in fact, he's one of the dumbest human beings to have walked this earth. But he did manage to trick people at this stage. People did actually believe his story because he claimed he did file paperwork to found a California entity titled Wool Capital Investment Group. Mm. And another one uh, named Next Capital Management, uh, another one named Montgomery Assets, and I think there might have been one or two others that I didn't write down here. But those were created while he was a teenager. Of course, uh, his dad was an attorney who probably handled all the paperwork for him and paid for it. And also, uh, and signed most it, of this and... was registered to his parents' addresses. Yeah. He used his parents' phone numbers <laughs> and all sorts of things that were not what real companies do. So he called these companies hedge funds, which 
maybe technically they were in that they took money from people and pooled it together in order to make investments. But, you know, at first, Jacob started these placing ads on Craigslist. And most hedge... I shouldn't have to say this. Most hedge funds don't advertise on Craigslist. That's true. The good ones do, though. Can I just make the point that in 2005, which is presumably when he was eight, the S&P 500 went up. So shorting it is a weird choice to be proud of. Well, he's not good at making claims, <laughs> But, you know, um, uh, he... Throughout his career, we'll see this, fucking loves Craigslist. Okay. He has a thing for Craigslist. Uh, he does most of his business on Craigslist. That's right? very weird. So most of the early investments that he was getting for this were, were small, right? 500 maybe maybe $1,000, maybe a few thousand from people like his high school classmates mm. and his high school gym teacher. That's Seems not like hyperbole. potential, like not not <laughs> fraud necessarily, but certainly something that the SEC might oh, look at. Oh, Benedict, you don't have to say there wasn't fraud. Uh, there was fraud. He actually did get an investment from his high school gym teacher, by the way. Just <laughs> wanted to point that out. But after those appearances on Fox Business, Jacob started to get contacted by individuals around the country who had seen this high school phenom on TV and wanted to get in on the ground floor, you know. Mm-hmm. One of those people was a man by the name of David Diedrich, who had seen him on TV and contacted him by phone. So on their phone call, Jacob told him that Wall Capital managed 178 investment accounts and had between 9 and $10 million in assets. Of course, the reality was that Wall Capital had no more than 13 investors, uh, at least two of whom I am sure were his parents, sure. and never managed more than $500,000 in assets. Mm, okay. So, uh, I don't know if you know this or Benedict or not, but you can't lie to investors. That's no, sort of that's very illegal. Yeah. That's very illegal. That's one yep. of those things, right. you okay. know, because we care about the capitalist class more than other people in this country. Of course, country, yeah, so, you can't, you uh, can lie to your workers <laughs> all the time, no problem. <laughs> those laws actually get enforced. Yeah. Um, he also claimed to Diedrich that he had a 99.5% profitability of profit. What? Don't ask me. I don't fucking know. That doesn't uh, make sense. <laughs> so Diedrich invested $75,000 with Jacob. And over the next few months, Jacob claimed that Diedrich's investment had grown to $89,000. However, when Diedrich tried to withdraw his funds from Wool Capital, he was sent a check for only $44,000. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyone that gets ripped off by a, a prodigy 17-year-old absolutely deserves it. I well, mean, like... Uh, I I know that you say that and you didn't know information. Uh, This man later died of suicide. Um, That's sad. Okay, I take it all back. Edit that out. (laughs) Which may have in some way been been related to the Jacob Wool scamming him aspect of all of this. Um, But this resulted in Mr. Diedrich filing a complaint with the National Futures Association, which Wool and his company had joined in February 2016. Now, the NFA, the National Futures Association, is a self-regulatory industry group and one of the ones that takes its job pretty seriously. It's sort of like the, the state bar, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's it's um, quasi-governmental. It has this ability to regulate this sort of regulatory authority, but it's not a government agency. Okay. And it's where they, you know, futures traders want to go after people who are, are, are engaging in fraud and bad practices pretty hard in order to protect their own business and make sure that investors aren't always worried about getting scammed. 
Mm-hmm. So if these guys get a hook into you, you might be fucked. So if you're just trading commodities yourself, you don't have to register with the NFA. But if you are selling your services as a commodities trader, you do have to register. And Jacob mm. did. Of course, he had already been enga- been engaging in commodities trading uh, on behalf of other people before he registered with the NFA. But that's beside the point. Okay. But of course... So the NFA received complaints about Jacob and his plainly false advertising materials, which included, of course, Craigslist ads, and Mm -hmm. opened an investigation in him, which resulted in Jacob withdrawing his membership from the NFA in July 2016 in apparent hopes of avoiding any consequences whatsoever. However, the NFA still completed its investigation, which included, for example, visiting the registered headquarters of Wool Capital Management, which they thought would be an office, like you do... Um, yeah, or at least like a WeWork, like... But was actually, of course, Jacob's father's home in the Hollywood Hills of California. Cool. Uh, nobody answered when they came, of course, but they visited another office. Were, they, where... were the lights on and they could, like, hear rustling papers? <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, it's... Jacob and his family sincerely did everything they could to dodge these NFA investigators. They would not respond to emails or phone calls. Uh, Jacob's dad threatened to sue them for harassment, which did not go anywhere, obviously, because they were investigators not harassing anyone. Um, But they really were trying to avoid this entire investigation. They just didn't want to be a part of it whatsoever because, of course, they knew David was fucked. They knew Jacob was fucked. There was nothing they could do. He fucked up. He fucked up. He lied to people. He was mm-hmm. he did the things that he was accused of. Um, they then visited another office that was registered to one of Jacob's companies, which ended up just being a room at La Sierra University, okay. uh, which was closed when the investigators arrived. Uh, the investigation also found that Jacob had two accounts registered to his company, one of which was in his mother's name and which had about uh, $260,000 total in deposits and about $36,000 in gains over the life of the account. So it had made money, but and it wouldn't be a problem if Jacob hadn't been lying to people <laughs> to convince him, them that he was actually a child prodigy and this investing phenom and stuff. <laughs> That's the problem. He wanted to convince people he was actually good at this, and the reality is he was just kind of average. Yeah. But, but that's not good enough for Jacob. It's not no. good enough for Jacob. Why would it be? So the NFA banned Jacob from commodities futures trading for life, uh, primarily right. in their opinion due to Wool's refusal to participate in the investigation, right? Finding that they had willfully violated NFA rule 2-5 by refusing to submit to an examination. And David's father actually threatened to file a criminal complaint against the NFA for visiting their house, which you may remember was the registered office of Next Capital, uh, and for emailing and calling them in attempts to carry out the investigation. Mm -hmm. And that's far from the only threats that David ever sent out on behalf of his kid. Uh, He once threatened to sue William Leggett, uh, who, despite whatever you think of him, I sort of find him just a semi-annoying internet reply guy, but he seems to be okay, is actually a youth phenom who had developed dozens of iPhone apps by the time he graduated high school, including <laughs> ones that had been recommended by the New York Times while he was still in high school. Awesome. Um, Good for that guy. Leggett, had, he's the, the guy who came up with that other pillow company. That's who he is, if you don't know who I'm talking about. He did, like, the good pillow or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. that. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, So Leggett had repeatedly tweeted out pictures of Jacob photoshopped into a corncob outfit as a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I guess 
corn cobbing, as the kids call it, uh, is apparently some internet thing. About oh, you didn't people. know about the corn cob? I didn't know about the corn oh, cob. Oh, wow. No, no it's idea. a drill. It's a drill tweet. Um, okay. That makes it's more like, sense. It, 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 it's like uh, basically like insisting that you're not like mad. Any drill as you, tweet. It's as, like any yeah. drill tweet. Yeah. I can't explain a drill tweet live <laughs> on the air, but like it's like insisting that you're not mad as you slowly turn into a corn cob. <laughs> oh, that, 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 you know what? I completely remember it now. That, yeah. that one I've seen about a dozen times probably. Yeah. Uh, but so it's apparently, you know, then like, it got like, accused of being racist for a while, which is a weird thing that happened to <laughs> I have no idea. Anyway, so like Benedict explained, uh, it's about people who just really can't admit that they're mad or that they've lost or whatever. So Leggett was tweeting out these photos of Jacob in a, a corncob outfit and David called William Leggett um, and threatened to sue him uh, unless he, he took down the tweets. <laughs> As, as one does. Which is just precious. It's just precious. So, at this time, Jacob was also engaged in some other disturbingly gross ventures. Um, Jacob would use Craigslist models to try to get investors for his business. He would take them along to events and conferences, um, you know, which is the most Instagram, shouty, inspirational business hustler thing to do. So, of course, Jacob did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would get the models to flirt with potential investors and right. then really just sort of swoop in and try and make a pitch. And based on his track record, I don't really think it ever worked out very well for him. No. Uh, he was also at this time claiming to be an online talent agent for female models and promising he could make them famous. That seems kind of creepy, honestly. And according to domain records, he registered websites which included wallgirls.com and melaniriosmanagement.com. Melanie Rios being the name of a porn star. He also registered buyabadbitch.com and buyaslut.com. Listeners can't see my face, obviously, and maybe Kevin can't even behind the microphone, uh, but it is not. A, it is about, about as scrunched up as it could be. <laughs> it, you know, that's like my, my face is as, as small as it could be with relation to my head. It's pretty scrunchworthy. This yeah. is some pretty scrunchworthy yeah. stuff. Now, it's worth noting that Jacob denied all of this to the Daily Beast. He claimed that they were fake websites other people had registered in his name and that he had reported them to the FBI. However... This, this podcast is a fake podcast done in my name, exactly. if anyone ever asks. Exactly. However, Benedict, uh, the mother of one of the women that Jacob had posted on his Wool Girls website as the Wool Girl of the Month also contacted the Daily Beast and mm. told them that Jacob had offered to set up a modeling page for her daughter, uh, representing himself to her as a social media manager of models, and that he took the photos of the girl down after her mother called Jacob and told him to take them down. I don't know, man. I believe the mom. Seems I believe great, the mom yeah. in this situation. <laughs> yep. All of this, of course, was also in violation of various securities trading regulations because... You can't use TNA to advertise your hedge fund. Yeah. So, sorry, does that is that also in affected like by the ban that he was given? Well, the ban came later. We haven't actually oh, So, I see, we are skipping okay, around okay, a little okay, bit okay, timeline-wise. Okay, 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 so, okay. I am trying to I'm gotcha. j- just for so people know, I am generally chronological to today's outline, but there are some things where I skip ahead a little bit. Um, so his ban from trading, I think, was 2018. These websites were around 2017. Gotcha. Um, later criminal charges came in 2019. He, he just nothing ever went really well for 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 Jacob after for young for young Jake, yeah. Just constant. So later, he eventually faced charges in California in 2019 for unlawful sale of securities through his entity Montgomery Investments, which got Jacob a felony arrest warrant. 
His cool. first big boy case, huh? Okay, that uh, is a big boy case. That case is still ongoing and was delayed by COVID. Um, but this one was pursuant to an undercover investigation in which investigators posed as investors and Jacob solicited a $100,000 investment from them for his house-flipping scheme, Montgomery Assets. Okay. And I won't go into the details of it, but Jacob was selling a security, which is, you know, you give me money, I give you back, I, you know, this amount of, of return, and mm. it's based off of my efforts. There's a thing called the Howie Test. You all can go look it up. That was illegal. He shouldn't have been doing it, and he did it. Boom. Okay. But the Arizona Corporation Commission, which uh, Diedrich charged, uh, filed some more charges with, charged Jacob with 14 counts of securities fraud, mostly involving misrepresenting risks, misrepresenting the amount of assets he managed, and falsely claiming in his Craigslist ads that he and his partner had 35 years of experience in flipping <laughs> homes. I will note that those ads were posted when he was 18 years old mm. and his business partner was 27. I'll let you do the math yourself on how they had 35 years of experience. It's not in that great building. math. The no, math doesn't not. work. It's not. So in 2017, he was ordered to pay $32,000. Maybe that's why his parents bought him a suit so early so that he could yeah. flip houses age five. I think it was because they knew he was going to end up in court a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But in 2017, he was ordered to pay $32,000 in restitution and $5,000 in fines. And as of last word in May 2020, he had not made any payments on those amounts. And the Arizona Corporation Commission was getting the Arizona Attorney General involved to collect from him. Great. So by this point in his career, right, 2017, his, his investing career is basically down the tubes. Not good, yeah. Not much left there for him. But no. Jacob had already been working on pivoting himself to being a right-wing quasi-celebrity with his Twitter and other social media activities. Which, again, is very easy to do. Because oh, as yeah. soon as you are, like, any kind... As soon as you're presented as any kind of prodigy or any kind of, like, anything, and you're like, I'm also right-wing, then the right-wing is like, <laughs> wow, this person is smart and loves us. Put him on TV. You just gotta be a Donald Trump reply guy. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's really true. it. So what probably got Jacob most famous, this is my evaluation, and what many have tried to emulate after is the seeming unwitting genius of Jacob's hipster coffee shop tweets. <laughs> so for a few examples. Ah, uh, that can't be it, can it? That can't be what you know, got him I, famous. Honestly, I think it is. So in That's January what got him dunked on. I think you're right. I think it's the reply guy thing. I think it's yeah, like, thanks it for is. doing such a great job, sir, or whatever, to yeah. every Donald Trump tweet. I think that's what did it. That was part of it. It was part of it. But I'll, I'll talk about this after I give you these examples. So in January of 2018, he tweeted, for example, quote, I was in a hipster coffee shop, parenthetical, safe space. <laughs> Here in L.A., and the libs were whispering to each other how Donald Trump is doing great for the economy, got them a raise at work, and will definitely be reelected in 2020. Mm. In July of 2018, he tweeted out, quote, I just left a hipster coffee shop. It was packed with liberals whispering amongst each other about what a commendable job whispering. President Trump did with Vladimir Putin this morning in Helsinki. America <laughs> is proud. That's when he completely folded to Putin. Yeah, that's the, that's the same one, yeah. And then in November 2018, he tweeted, quote, in a hipster coffee shop here in West L.A., right next to us, we overheard a group of young women who were absolutely ecstatic to learn that acting AG Matthew Whitaker is preparing to shut down Mueller, which Honestly, totally happened. Totally happened. Having paid attention to all of this at all times during the Trump presidency, I could not, if you gave me a million guesses on who Matthew Whitaker was, 
Oh man, I remember Matthew Whitaker. He was the body, the the weightlifter guy who took over as AG briefly as after Jeff Sessions left, or maybe it was after some. God, so many fucking people just bailed on that administration. That's what I'm saying. I could not begin to tell you who any of these people. He was a major piece of shit. Maybe we'll have to talk about him someday. Kevin, it was the Trump administration. (laughs) I could have told you that. But the genius of these tweets, right? Setting aside their just formulaic, boring nature, right? He just takes whatever the thing of the day is and said he heard a lib in a coffee shop saying mm. that they love Trump because of blank, right? And com- there's just a complete lack of craft to them whatsoever. The genius of them is that you cannot tell whether he believes that they are believable or not. You cannot tell whether Jacob thinks anyone will believe that the thing he is tweeting is actually true or not. Do you have the tweets? Much like Arby's has the meats, do you have the <laughs> tweets? I just gave of... you three of them. No, no, but do you have the numbers? What numbers did they do? I, you know, actually I don't. I don't. Okay. I didn't copy them into my notes or anything like that. But okay. to any normal thinking human beings, right? They're is he obviously still on? He's claims. banned from Twitter, He is right? banned from Twitter. Is he, he still is. banned from Twitter? We'll talk about it, Ben. Oh, we'll God, talk I'm about asking it. you questions to be engaging. I know, and I'm being sarcastic <sighs> to you back because I find oh. it hilarious. But, you know, uh, uh, to any normal human being, they're obviously fake. But you can't actually tell if Jacob thinks they are something anyone else will buy or not. And because of that, they would get a huge number of snarky or rage quote tweets that <sighs> brought him even more attention. Mm-hmm. And, of course... Plenty of people have since realized how successful the strategy is. Nick Adams being the one that pops into my mind first with his alpha yep. male bullshit. And yep. I think I've even seen him do a few copycat hipster coffee shop tweets recently. I, he's just straight up trying to copy Jacob. That's really what he's doing. <laughs> he might be Jacob's sock puppet account now that I think about it. Maybe. But in some, right, Jacob's primary wish in life doesn't really seem to be success. He doesn't seem to care about that because I think he knows he can't achieve it. It seems to be constantly being trending, which likely was negatively affected by his Twitter ban in 2019 for admitting in an interview with USA Today that he had planned to create fake accounts to try to promote Democrats he thought would be weaker against Trump in 2020. So... Which is is what the Democrat, the DNC, legitimately did uh, in 2022. Well, well, okay, they bought... (laughs) Real world ads. No, yeah, 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 yeah. So they uh, bought ads for the likes look, of Blake Masters and... We all criticized that, but all the candidates they did push did lose. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> you know, I, I now, but I am worried that we're like, we're, we're now uh, in favor of that sort of strategy and it backfires next yeah, time around. That, well, that's what they tried to do with Trump and it didn't yeah. fucking work. So. I don't like rolling the dice, man. I don't like yeah, rolling the dice. No, but me neither. Jacob is an ideologue. He's a right-wing crypto-fascist little weirdo. But his primary concern is really just getting attention for himself. So, mm-hmm. at this point, we need to introduce you to Jacob's literal partner in crime, Jack <laughs> Jack was born in the mid-60s. He won't tell anyone what his real birthday is. Okay. Uh, and he began his, his career at the big law firm of Holland and Knight. Um, okay. But at some point, he decided to strike out on his own and became a real clout-chasing professional. So his first major public effort was in trying to get gays banned from the NFL around the time that Michael Sam came out of the closet. You probably don't remember this because you weren't living in the U.S. at the time. But he was a a college player. I don't remember what school he was at. Um, Pretty good player, came out as gay, and then, you know, didn't really make it in the NFL. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Now, this effort by Berkman was denounced by Jack's gay brother, James. Right. And, of course, didn't actually see any success and was pretty clear it was just an attempt at clout chasing. But mm. he then made another splash by getting involved with the Seth Rich murder. So oh, no. Berkman contacted the family of murdered DNC staffer Seth Rich, who, you may recall, there is a conspiracy theory surrounding that he is the person who hacked the DNC servers and gave the information to WikiLeaks. This was supported by Julian Assange, who's a fucking chaos agent, and decided mm-hmm. that it would be good for him to push this bullshit, uh, because it was damaging to Hillary Clinton, who, of course, Assange hates. Um, and, of course, the entire right hates as well. So that mm-hmm. was part of the motivation for this whole conspiracy theory. So... He reached out to Seth Rich's family um, and uh, offered a $100,000 reward of his own money for any information about the killer. But of course, Jack wasn't in it to find justice for the family. He was in it to push the conspiracy theory that Hillary had him killed. So not very long after he had gotten involved, the Rich family cut ties with him uh, because I think they realized he was. And there's actually a book. I don't remember who wrote it or the title of it. Uh, but I think I heard an interview with them on uh, the Fever Dreams podcast, Will Sommers' podcast recently, mm-hmm. um, about the entire Seth Rich case and the conspiracy theory around it. And and they talked a lot about this whole Jack Berkman involvement and all this stuff. So okay. if, if I find it, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but that's out there if anybody wants to read about that. But so after the Rich family cut ties, he struck out on his own and kept pushing the conspiracy, teaming up with a man named Kevin Doherty. And at some point, it's it's unclear exactly because they both make different claims. Uh, Berkman got mad that Doherty was speaking to the press without him and thought that Doherty was trying to take over the case all on his own. So in July of 2017, Berkman fired Doherty and sent him a cease and desist letter. Sometime later, Doherty called Berkman and told him to meet him in a D.C. parking garage. Actually, I think it might have been Arlington. <laughs> that, that, that's where you know what's coming, Benedict, don't you? You know what's coming. <laughs> Because Doherty claimed to have evidence of FBI misconduct related to the Rich case. Mm -hmm. Upon arrival, Doherty shot Berkman twice in the ass and hit him with his SUV, which resulted in Berkman fleeing, according to one witness, with a traffic cone and his little dog. He has a little dog. He has like a, you know, no shade on the dog. The dog did nothing wrong, but he has like a dachshund or something. And he came to this meeting with his dog for whatever reason, got shot in the ass twice, uh, got his arm broken when Doherty tried to hit him with the SUV, and then took off. Yeah. It's- Side note, dachshunds are bred, bred to hunt badgers, which is a fucking badass thing for a dog to do. Hey, man, you know. It's a I'm, badger hound. I have a pug in my home. Any <laughs> dog has more uses than <laughs> That's mine. True. <laughs> now, Berkman. Never missing an opportunity, went and lied to the press about the event in an effort to make this somehow support his Seth Rich conspiracy. He claimed that he thought the person he was meeting with was an FBI whistleblower. Ooh. Mm. And despite Doherty being convicted and sentenced to nine years in prison for this in 2018, that didn't stop Jacob and Jack from continuing to lie about the event for their own purposes. So in 2019, Jacob responded to an Ask Me Anything, I believe on Reddit, uh, which where someone asked him thoughts on Seth Rich by claiming, quote, here are the facts. After Seth Rich's death, the FBI found on his computers that he had been in contact with WikiLeaks. Don't take my word for it. Just listen to Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Seymour Hirsch. His FBI sources told him that just as ours did. When we dug too far into the story, it ended up with one member of our investigative team being shot dead overseas and the other, Jack Berkman, being shot and almost killed by a sniper in Arlington, Virginia. Okay. 
<laughs> Can you imagine? Okay, first of all, being shot in the ass by a sniper. <laughs> you take away your whole ass. Yeah. Man wouldn't have any ass left to give. He would have no leg. <laughs> that would be it. No, you know, and also, I'm just imagining a sniper deliberately shooting, shooting someone the in the ass. ass. Yeah, yeah. That'd be the best. Now, all of that is the lie, of course. Uh, Seymour yeah. Hirsch, who is actually a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and a current right-wing hack, uh, mm. later admitted, but before Jacob's AMA, uh, that he never had any FBI sources and that he was just sort of vamping and trying to get people to come to him. Uh, second, Jacob and Jack... What did he win a Pulitzer for? Do you know? I don't know. I never looked into him. He's a weird cat. I've never really yeah. looked into his background all that much. Um, but uh, 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 Jacob and Jack definitely did not have any FBI sources. No. They had Doherty. Uh, third, they had no overseas investigative team members. Rather, and this is sort of sad, a publicist for Berkman, who was named Glenn Selig, was killed in a terrorist attack in an Afghanistan hotel. Um, mm, so that actually did happen. It had no connection to any of the Seth Rich stuff. And finally, we know exactly what happened with Jack and his disgruntled ex-employee Doherty. It wasn't at all related to them digging too far. It was related to Doherty hating the fuck out of Jack Berkman. Mm -hmm. So how did our boys, Jacob and Jack, come together? Well, um, it appears, and it's unclear, but after Jacob had crashed and burned any possible career investing that he ever could have possibly had, uh, Jakey worked that Twitter hard, not only with the coffee shop tweets, right? But also mm. by becoming the number one reply guy to all of Donald Trump's tweets. Yeah, literally, he was first reply to every... I remember back in the day being like, how the fuck... Because I had to, sometimes, whenever something particularly crazy was going on, I turned on tweet notifications. Uh-huh. But, like, that comes through, like, a minute after the guy tweets, right? Yeah. So, like, even if you have that turned on, like, you got to just, like... I don't know whether he had some kind of, like, bot reply thing set up or, like is just constantly know, refreshing the feed cuz like it's I think you crazy. can set up he was always to, there. Like, constantly refresh a particular profile I don't you know you can but like still you'd have to be fucking staring at it the whole I mean, time he was basically the conservative Krasenstein brothers is are they back on was. twitter no i don't think so <laughs> see so bring not. back the Krasensteins. <laughs> you know one thing you could say about the Krasensteins, at least they fucking bowed out and left with their piles of cash yeah at least they didn't continue trying to do the grift after they got off of Twitter. Um, But eventually, Jakey managed to earn himself a retweet from Donald Trump, which is the true prize at the end of the rainbow for these people. That is the endorsement that you need, yeah. And it's unclear exactly how Jack and Jacob met, right? Jacob has claimed that he was recruited because Jack saw his skills as an investigator. He's also said at different times that they just met at some sort of pro-Trump event. So nobody really knows exactly where they met, but certainly... By 2018-ish, they were in full swing together, uh, uh, getting into some hijinks. So in early 2018, Jacob started a blog, which he called The Washington Reporter, which also hosted his podcast, Offended America. Oh, God. And I mean, just the world needs less straight white male podcasts. <clears throat> really does so ben, i'm really really happy podcast. you're here yeah. we gotta make this podcast gayer because i'm not enough i'm not enough you outbalance me uh but later that year someone found that his site had plagiarized entirely its code of ethics from pope ProPublica. just oh just copied and pasted it which, which is i don't quite think really bothered jacob at all publication I, like they're quite hung up on the rules of ProPublica. yeah so. i i don't think that it really bothered Jacob at all. I think he made some sort of comment like, well, yeah, we just thought they had good ethics. And 
Okay. Sure. Uh, but by August of that year. Was one of them don't copy the code of ethics from another publication? <laughs> because... Oh, God. ProPublica should put that into their code of ethics. Um, but by August of 2018, that website was already down and Jacob was no longer doing his podcast. But, of course, Jacob had already been hired by the Gateway Pundit as a writer in June mm. of 2018 before getting fired from there later that year. And it is so hard to get fired by the Gateway Pundit yep. for events that we'll discuss in a minute. Mm -hmm. So on October 19th, 2018, Jacob tweeted that he had spoken to a DC insider who said that there were a number of women willing to make public allegations against Robert Mueller. Yeah, I remember this happening. It was very weird. It, oh, it only got weirder, Benedict. It, did, it only yep. got weirder. And <laughs> later did. that day... Sorry, Bert, when was this? This was October 2018. Okay, so like a little post-Me Too? Like the yep. first wave of Me Too? Yeah. Yes, okay. yes. So uh, uh, a little later that day, Berkman posted a YouTube video making claims about Mueller as a sexual harasser and claiming that he was an alcoholic. But several days before... A woman named Lorraine Parsons had emailed a number of reporters, including Yashar Ali, who I believe was at the Huffington Post at that time, uh, that she was contacted by a man with a British accent who had offered to pay her, uh, pay off her $35,000 in credit card debt and pay her an additional $20,000 to sign a sworn affidavit claiming Mueller had sexually harassed her when she was working as a paralegal at the firm Pillsbury Winthrop, which Mueller was a partner at in the 1970s. I would like to go on the record and say that that British accent did not belong to me. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to make the, the statement, then that's how we know it's true. I'm going on the record. But the I will sign a sworn affidavit that that was not me. The woman said that the caller eventually told him that his client was Jack Berkman Why? and that she had refused. <laughs> and then told the reporters that Mueller had always been polite and she had never worked with him much when she was working at Pillsbury. Is it didn't Robert Mueller like famously refuse anesthetic when he got like his leg operated on after Vietnam? Like, was I it not, there was like, all sorts of stories about Mueller. I don't even remember. I don't know what's true. I think the Krasenstein's propaganda <laughs> may have like, poisoned my brain. Yeah, go listen to Mueller. <laughs> she wrote. Uh, but it is crazier, Benedict, because the woman named Lorraine Parsons did not even exist. It turns out that Berkman and Wool had made her up. And sent these emails to reporters. And re when reporters did reporter things and contacted the law firm of Pillsbury Winthrop and mm. tried to find this woman, like, in the Yellow Pages or other, you know, reporters in <laughs> other places. And literally the anywhere else, yeah. <laughs> they could not find her as existing in the town where she claimed to live. Pillsbury well, said that no one by that name had ever worked there. I know it's a law firm, but every time you say Pillsbury, yeah, I get the I little know, fucking doughboy in my head. It's, yeah. So many of these firms, all of us lawyers know, we just call them by, you know, part of the name because nobody wants to say that. There's some like white and case. Everyone just says white and case because you wouldn't just say white. So doesn't matter. Anyways, so then Jennifer Taub, a law professor who I think is currently a visiting professor at Harvard Law. I don't remember mm -hmm. where she's at at the moment, was contacted by email by someone calling themselves Simon Frick from Surefire Intelligence who was asking her about past encounters that she had had with Robert Mueller and offering to pay her for any information that she had. Of course, Jennifer Taub had never met Robert Mueller, but she had written an opinion piece about Brett Kavanaugh and her own past experience with sexual assault recently. Mm -hmm. So that might be how she got contacted there. But Relevant, better, yes. Surefire intelligence is... Amazing. 
amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's fucking amazing. It better, here's a funny dead, thing. Dead cert intelligence with all your, <laughs> all your business needs. <laughs> Never wrong intelligence for all your... <laughs> The website still exists. Oh, God. The website is still up, and it still just looks like it looked in all of those. They removed a lot of stuff from the website. Like, they got rid of some of the stuff that was just so obviously fake and bullshit. Uh But the website is still there, and that's the most most hilarious thing in the world to me. It is very funny. I'm looking at it right now. Our specialties, opposition research, Surefile specialized in compiling world-class intelligence on public figures, utilizing databases and financial research, as well as human intelligence, anti-corporate espionage, and then the last one that's funny, stopping smear campaigns. (laughs) (laughs) Good. And also, as it turns out, starting smear campaigns. Yes. Yes. That's the one they're actually much more successful at. So... Reporters started looking into Surefire Intelligence, right? One called the phone number that was listed, which went to Jacob's mother's voicemail. Which... <laughs> Did it say, hi, this is Mrs. Wall or whatever? Or like, what? I don't know, but that's what that's what uh, w- was written in the Daily Beast piece. Uh, that's the, just, come on, Jacob. Come on, get get a Google phone number. That's all you yep. need to do. Do something. Do the bare fucking minimum. And then other journalists looked into some of the LinkedIn profiles that were connected to Surefire uh, and found, for example, that some of the team members were, let's just say, maybe not quite legitimate. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, their Tel Aviv station chief's photo was a picture of Bar Raffaele, the Israeli supermodel. Uh, their L.A. private investigator, whose name on LinkedIn was Mark Teller, was a photo of British model Nick Hopper. And their head of government relations was... A check stock photo model. Great. Uh, I mean, they were just like, one of, one of the, the worst one, the worst one, Christoph Waltz, one of the most famous movie stars in the world. Incredibly famous, yes. Was Simon Frick, okay. their financial investigator. Are we sure it wasn't character acting? Like, are we sure he wasn't deep into a role? Oh, God, that would have been so much better. That would have like, been so you much know, better. Remember when Joaquin Phoenix played the rapper for like a year yeah, and a half? He, Ran on to the Tonight Show and yeah, pissed yeah. everybody off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and the, the picture of the managing partner of Surefire, Matthew Cohen, remember that name. Remember Matthew Cohen. Okay. Was just a darkened photo of Jacob that he had previously posted to Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't see the face. Sh- shadowy investigator. <laughs> Very clearly Jacob. So yeah. Jacob had registered Surefire as an LLC about a month before the Mueller smear started, but he had already, at that time, managed to screw some people out of their money using this joke company. Um, As was his modus operandi, Jacob posted a number of Craigslist ads for Surefire. Classic. uh, Claiming that it was founded by two members of Israel's elite intelligence service. Israel's. Yeah, and some poor people took the bait. Uh, a woman named Julian Adams paid him $1,200 to find her stolen Hummer. And I think I've seen some people. <laughs> Did he past... find it? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I've seen some people clown on this woman for buying into it and being some rich lady uh, who wanted her Hummer though. back. Like, I, I get, like, you know, that's. Well, tough. it actually, the, the, the real story is that she had been homeless after a bad divorce and she had been living out of this Hummer for the last two years. Um, so she so was I am, not some rich lady. No, this say. this twelve hundred dollars was a loss that she could not afford. I'm much that more sucks. sympathetic to this woman than I think a lot of people have been, just based off of the the fact that she's looking for a Hummer, right? So, 
Yeah. Uh, but of course, Jacob and nobody associated with him had a PI license, which is required to work as a private investigator in most states. Cool. But Surefire had a medium post written by a fake Israeli journalist who was actually just another fake profile created with a stolen photo of a model off the internet. Jacob, if you, if you use photos of models, people can find them because models put out a lot of photos and they want people to know who's in the photo because that's how they make money. Mm-hmm. You need you need non-models, Jacob. Non-models. Uh, but Surefire is how Jacob met a young woman by the name of Caroline Cass. Uh, she was a Texas oil heiress who had had her inheritance stolen and then was defrauded by a social media manager. And she found Surefire Intelligence on Craigslist, where she met Matthew Cohen, who promised to dig up dirt on her manager for her civil case that was proceeding against him in Los Angeles. She actually pawned the title to her car to pay Surefire, but Cohen then told her that they had to drop the case because it was too expensive for them to proceed. And our dear Carolyn started around this time dating Matthew Cohen, who claimed to be a Harvard dropout and an ex-Israeli intelligence operative. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. But the Mueller smear was in high swing with Berkman and Wool on October 30th, 2018, uh, announcing that they would hold a press conference with the accuser at the Holiday Inn in Arlington, Virginia. And let me tell you that one of the great regrets of my life is I I didn't go down to this event because it would have taken me no more than about 30 minutes to get there from where I was living in D.C. And I was actively following all of this at the time. And I would have gotten to meet Will Sommer and Jared Holt in person, who I really respect and admire. It would have been great. It would have been a fun afternoon. Yep. So remember that by now, all the actual reporters had figured out what a complete sham this was. And I think that most of them decided to go because it was the most fun any DC reporter was going to get to have for a while. Yeah. The Gateway Pundit had done an interview with Berkman and Wool in which the two had claimed the accusation was of rape and by a, quote, very credible witness. (laughs) But just a few hours later, the Gateway Pundit deleted the story and said they would investigate Jacob. This was not credible enough for the Gateway Pundit. And if you don't know what a statement that is, go to their landing page. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> My face, having been scrunched earlier, is now very wide. Like, like I'm making yeah. that noise without making it. It's not great. Yeah. And as it turns out... Describing my facial expressions for podcast <laughs> listeners. And as it turned out, the person they had got to accuse Mueller was Caroline Cass. Hmm. Matthew Cohen, I, I mean, Jacob's then-girlfriend. Oh, now, okay. Yeah, you see how I did that? Now, the way this happened is pretty gross, and believe me, I have a lot of sympathy for Miss Cass, because she was gaslighted and emotionally abused to no end by Jacob for this shitty little fucking stunt. You know, that tracks with everything that we know yeah. about him. So. Yeah, and I also want to give some credit to Lexi Pandell, who writes over on Medium. Uh, she interviewed Cass in 2019 about all this and wrote about it on Medium. Uh, and published it, and I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes so you can write about, you can read the full interview. Um, the full details of Jacob's gaslighting are just awful, just really, really awful and astonishing. Now, mm-hmm. I kept saying that she was dating Matthew Cohen because for the entirety of their relationship up to this point, Jacob had told her that that was his name. Oh, good. Okay. And he kept up the false backstory about being an ex-intelligence agent and a Harvard dropout. <laughs> yeah. It's such a tell. You should, you'd never it's... be both of those things. 
But at one point in their relationship, uh, while they were on the phone with each other, Cass told Jacob that she had been date raped by an employer several years earlier. Jesus. Now, you know, oh, a normal person would would try to uh, empathize and and you know uh, communicate and uh, do all the sorts of things that a good person does. But instead, Jacob decided to use her story to come up with a fake Robert Mueller accusation. Right. And offered her $50,000 to do it. And she says that she agreed because Jacob told him, uh, told, her, told her that his father was a lawyer and they would all be legal. And because she believed Cohen when he said that they had multiple other women lined up who had been assaulted by Mueller. And she thought that it would help bring some justice for those women and also in some ways for her own past assault. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not good that she decided to do this, uh, but, you know, just given how she was being so fucking abused and lied to and controlled by Jacob, um, I'm, I'm willing to understand where she was coming from. Yeah. But as they were preparing, by which I mean literally the night before they were about to leave to go to D.C., she saw a story on the Internet about Jacob and Jack Berkman. With, she, with Jacob's fucking picture, presumably. Yes, which she asked Jacob about, and he told her he didn't know anything about. He was also, this time, telling her that he was not on social media. Okay. Okay. You can't this know Jacob as, and as he's Matthew, not on social media. As Matthew, whatever his as name As Matthew is. Cohen, yes. Yeah. yeah. Then, when they were at the airport, getting ready to get on the plane and go do the smear campaign, the ticketing agent called him Jacob. <laughs> which she again asked about and he told her was an at some alias. point you would start to get suspicious like uh, people keep calling you jacob but <laughs> yeah yeah but uh he told her that it was an alias he was using for the day but then that's they were... not legal when you're flying no no it's not <laughs> it very much is... but remember he's ex-israeli intelligence he can do that's whatever true. he wants they right? can do what he wants yeah, yeah. Uh, but when they were actually on the plane sitting in their seats she saw jacob Open his social media, which had his real name. Dumbass. Where she finally realized she was being lied to. And at that point, she got up and moved to some empty seat to the back of the plane, where she said she just cried for the majority of the flight. Mm, And once they landed in D.C., she slipped away from him at the airport, Mm -hmm. called a friend in New York, and went to stay with them. Okay. But of course, as we know, that didn't stop Wall and Berkman. No, they still held the press conference. Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> they went forward with the press conference the next day using her real name, despite yeah, the fact they good. had promised to use an alias for her and telling their lies about. Robert He's getting mixed up about when he needs to use a fucking alias. This guy. Yeah, he Jesus. really is. The press conference began uh, with Jack Berkman's fly being down, and at no point did it get any better for them. <laughs> that was really the highlight of the. That was the. That was as was. good as it got. Yeah. Uh, they passed out printed copies of the allegations, purporting to be an affidavit, which had Miss Cass's name misspelled. Uh, then they had a moment of silence for Glenn Seelig, the publicist who had been killed in Afghanistan. Mm. Then they began and immediately addressed the fact that they had created these accusations. By acknowledging that Lorraine Parsons does not exist, then denying that Simon Frick ever existed, or that they had contacted Jennifer Taub. Okay. They then claimed that Caroline was not there that day because she had received a number of threats, and that was why she had decided not to come. Of course, they were confronted by reporters... Were the threats from Matthew Cohen? (laughs) They were confronted by reporters who were doing their fucking jobs and having a great fucking time of it, by the way. This thing was... It just looked like such a fun atmosphere. Who just picked apart their story live, literally, as it was being live-streamed. I I remember watching this from my law school apartment 
as it was going on and just laughing my ass off at how funny this thing was. It, it's literally the funniest thing I have seen since any of their subsequent Spirit <laughs> press conferences. But one issue was that they hadn't checked their dates properly. And the date of the alleged assault, the Washington Post had published an article that Robert Mueller was seen in D.C. at jury duty, rather than in New York, where they claimed it had taken place. Okay. Yeah. That feels fairly easy to check. It does. Well, they had basically, I think, latched on to one article that had said at this week-long conference in New York that Mueller had been a speaker. And they just picked a random date that happened during that conference and said that's the date on which it happened, and they didn't bother to look any further than that. Just assumed that Mueller had been there the entire week for a conference. The FBI director could just spend a week at a conference in New York, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They claimed that Mueller had leaked that Washington Post article. How do you leak a Washington Post article? (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, you you have a subscription. Um, They... Lied about when they formed Surefire Intelligence, claiming mm-hmm. that this entity had been around for a while. But, you know, the, the most recent uh, entity that they had created for it was just a, a, you know, a couple months ago. Uh, they were caught on a hot mic by HBO at one point going down a hallway. Oh, to strategy- man, you can't go out that You can't go out the jinx way. No, no you That's can't. terrible. You can't. You, you've got to learn from the jinx from Robert <laughs> Durst. Robert Durst is in jail for your, for, as a warning. Better if there's one thing I can tell you that Jacob and Jack have never done, it is learn. <laughs> learn uh, from Robert Durst. <laughs> Jesus. But they were caught on a hot mic by HBO going down a hallway to strategize about how to explain. Actually, the funniest part, it was in response to a question by Will Sommer. Uh, to how to strategize how to explain that Cass had gotten death threats when at that point they had not even released her name. Until the morning of the press conference. Yep. How could she have gotten death threats? So they had to go and figure out how they were going to explain that. And Will Sommer, of course, I will, I'm always a fanboy. I'm a Will Sommer fanboy. I will always yep. be. Brought the fucking fire asking why he was so shady, right? Why uh, uh, he had told the Daily Beast that he didn't run Surefire, which he had done several days prior. Um, and, and just going after the guy just it was amazing to see all these reporters working as a team to just crush this clown show really Mm -hmm. a beautiful thing it's an amazing example of people who think that they're the smartest ones in the room being proven in an instant to be the dumbest (laughs) i love those moments yeah so at one point berkman called wool a child prodigy who has eclipsed mozart Mm -hmm. and at some point debatable (laughs) I think after, Jacob posted a series of tweets claiming that Antifa was there with mm-hmm. a picture of a giant inflatable rat that someone had set up in the parking lot. Like and Scabby? I I, yes, I, and I agree. Scabby is Antifa. Scabby <laughs> is an anti-fascist. And then, pictures of tourist buses claiming that it was a Soros bust-in mob <laughs> that other t- reporters explained were Asian tourists who were staying at the hotel. Great. But Benedict, oh, this was far from the end. In February of 2019, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Jacob went to Minnesota with neo-fascist anti-immigrant activist and failed congressional candidate Laura Loomer and cool. insurrection organizer Ali Alexander to investigate rumors that Ilhan Omar had married her brother. I remember that. Yes, yes. Uh, on that trip, they claimed that Minneapolis was full of Muslim no-go zones. <laughs> uh, filmed themselves wearing body armor and constantly claimed that they were traveling with arms. Ex- Armed security. Who were there they are, just out of shot. <laughs> me laughing with my armed security. Just off screen. 
<laughs> it was the greatest, man. It's really the fucking yeah, greatest. Of course, they released a completely bullshit documentary about this in 2019, uh, which included fake death threats that Jacob was sending himself uh, and him going in to file a false police report about those fake death threats, which eventually resulted in a, a felony by the man whose picture Jacob had used to create the fake account. Okay. Uh, but unfortunately, that man ended up hiring Michael Avenatti as his lawyer. Oh, no. So that didn't quite go well for him. Are you allowed to file a false police report? That feels illegal. Yeah, it's... God, man. My, the, the, the last few years are so full of um, uh, heroes who never should have been made. You know what yeah, I mean? that's true. People who we all should have really known from the beginning that this this guy's not somebody you want to make into a hero. Like but... the Krasensteins, for example. <laughs> Despite those better impulses, they all ended up that way anyway. This but, podcast sponsored by the Krasensteins. <laughs> then in April of 2019, Berkman and Wool tried another time by concocting a fake sexual assault committed by Pete Buttigieg, which, uh, whose, whose last name I will never be able to spell. Correctly. I think that's right. Oh, okay. I think you're going to say spell. Say it correctly. I, know, I, I can say it. I can't spell because I just I put it in I my notes. As long as it's remotely close and I know I'm going to say it right when I read it, that's all that matters. I think never, off the top I'll of my head right. without Googling, it's B-U-T-T-I-G-I-E-G. See, I always go, is it two T's? Is it two G's? Is it two cheese at the first two, first G or two it T's doesn't at the matter. last? I don't fucking Carry know. Carry on. Uh, but this was done with the help of a fake Medium post, supposedly written by a gay Republican college student, alleging that Pete had assaulted him in February of that year. Now, as it turns out... Wool and Berkman had recruited this kid named Hunter Kelly on Instagram, where he had been following Jacob and interacted with him a few times. Uh, Kelly came from a college in Michigan, and Jacob and Jack had flown him to D.C. under the false pretenses that he was there to talk about what it was like to be a gay Republican, mm -hmm. um, only to try to coerce him into claiming Buddha Judge had sexually assaulted him. Uh, you know... Not the greatest. Not the greatest. He claimed that they tried to get him to do a script for a press conference, but he refused. And he eventually called his family to come get him and fled. Now, Wolin Berkman had made social media accounts in Hunter Kelly's name while he slept during that trip, which they posted, uh, which he posted about later, were not actually him. Yeah, that's again, bad as well. Yeah, again, they held a press conference, this time on the steps of Berkman's Arlington home with a security guard standing in front and a cardboard box covered with boxes of donuts and a TV sitting on the steps that just said press conference on it. And yep. Again, I'll be linking all these videos in the show notes. Um, of course, by the time of the press conference, can Hunter I Kelly just interrupt with one yeah. thing? Of all these embarrassing press conferences, I'm not sure any of them is more embarrassing than holding it at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping. <laughs> you know what? Nothing will ever be. <laughs> Nothing will ever be. Nothing will ever be. Uh, but by the time of the press conference, Hunter Kelly had already, of course, gone home and posted on Facebook, in all caps, I was not sexually assaulted. Uh, on a real account. Yeah, on a real account, the... along with his account of what had happened with Jack and Jacob. Uh, and as such, this press conference became much less about any accusation and much more about Wool and Berkman covering their ass over the claim that they had falsely imprisoned Hunter Kelly and not allowed him to leave Berkman's home. Yep, okay. <laughs> and I've got to say... You're starting poorly when your press conference begins with statements like, Hunter Kelly is not a kid. He's an adult. He was not coerced. <laughs> My I did not hold anyone hostage t-shirt <laughs> is making people ask a lot of questions. <laughs> and literally like less than 10 minutes into the press conference is the infamous video Wool played on that TV sitting down on the steps where he pointed out this. 
The other thing that you're going to see, and this is just a minor detail, is that he's got a Starbucks uh, caramel frappuccino in front of him on the table. Now, Hunter had come with us earlier in the day, and he had wanted Starbucks. So we took him to Starbucks right around the corner. We're also working on getting uh, that tape as well. Uh, he walked in, he got his caramel frappuccino. Uh, most forced uh, coercion type of events that I see involve guns, they involve knives, they don't involve uh, caramel frappuccinos. Just enough. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. That's a, he's, he's, he's probably correct about that. Yeah, let me play a little bit more of this for you, because fuck, these things are amazing. I love these press conferences so much. Another minor detail that, where you can see he's going out in public through us, uh, with us throughout the day, uh, and then later in the day he went to get his hair cut uh, just around the corner. He wanted his hair to look good uh, for his on-camera interviews. He requested a very expensive haircut. Uh, he was taken around the corner, and he was given a tremendous uh, haircut. Tremendous! That's so Trump. <laughs> he was yeah, given the most tremendous haircut. Yeah, hair lovely salon, hair. Which is the hair gallery, which is right that away, and so we took him there again in preparation for what he thought would be CNN and ABC that night. And those are just the media calls we happen to observe or catch on tape. And Benedict, yes, those are the sounds of the garbage truck Good. showing up during the middle of the press conference. Good stuff. Yep. <laughs> so at one point, uh, Jacob was trying to work the gram pretty hard um, with some travel photos uh, claiming to be in Belarus and Israel, uh, despite some eagle-eyed folks uh, realizing that he had the exact same fence in the background of both photos, uh, which might be a problem <laughs> for such a claim. They could have the same fences in Belarus and Israel. Sure they could. Sure they could. So yet again, of course, this one flamed out pretty hard. And uh, Wolin Berkman had even attempted to organize a fake counter-protest to their press conference. <laughs> Uh, which was organized on Eventbrite and titled, is it a quote, counter protest, or is it just a protest at that point? I don't know. It was titled Protest Against Homophobic Bigots. <laughs> and reporters who signed up for Kicks uh, found that this confirmation email they got came from the email address wallthinktank at gmail.com. Is that Soros funded? Just out of interest. <laughs> but uh, uh, if you know anything about Eventbrite, uh, you know that people get an email from the address that you use to sign up for your Eventbrite account. Mm -hmm. That's how that works. Yep. Uh, and if you sign up for an Eventbrite account, you get an email sent to that email address that says, hey, you just signed up for an Eventbrite account, which sort of undercuts all their claims that somebody else had just set it up using their email. Yep. So around right. this time, uh, Jacob had a few other grifts. Uh, he had several other fake intelligence firms, including Potomac Intelligence and Vault yep. Intelligence, uh, which advertised in the classifieds that they offered corporate espionage services. Stop like putting intelligence in the title of your firm. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he also at one point scammed an event organizer out of about $50,000, claiming that he would get Candace Owens to show up to this He is a event. successful scammer. I will give him that. He is good at scamming people. He is good at that. He is. Uh, they held another press conference in September 2019, claiming to know the identity of the U.S. Ukraine whistleblower that we now know to be Alex Vindman, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but never releasing the name at the press conference or you know, ever Yeah, I, uh, I know the name of the <laughs> Ukraine whistleblower. I'm not going to tell you because it would blow their cover, but... Uh, yeah. But at that press conference, and again, I keep calling them press conferences, it's Jack and Jacob standing on the steps of Jack's yeah. house. <clears throat> yep. This I happened. mean, could be a press conference. Eh, good. Right Yes. Yeah, I mean, what's next for you two? I mean, it was Caroline Cass, Hunter Kelly. 
Now it's this. Um, what, what, what's that? Let me ask you. That is the voice of Will Sommer, yeah, by yeah, the way. Know, who who is, is just always at these because... Because why would it has be? to be if so much fun. Beat, yeah, you got to be so it, much yeah. fun. Let me ask you a question. Don't you think don't you think this is a noble initiative to to force the name of the whistleblower out? Do you really like you in the media? Do you really like this kind of clandestine government and clandestine society where all of this is being done in darkness? I mean, this is like it's like Henry VIII. Do you, but do you, I'll, I'll, I'll turn that question around and ask it to you. Do you like a country like that? Do you like a capital like that? That's not a good situation. That's like Star Chamber. Any last questions? So at that point, <laughs> the camera turns and points at Will Summer and Zach Patrizzo just standing there. Will, they're both smiling. Will is scrolling through his phone. It's just the greatest. It's just the yeah. greatest thing ever. <laughs> but I really do love that basically in that clip, Jack is admitting they don't know who the fuck the whistleblower is. No. They have no fucking idea. They, don't, don't you think this is a noble exercise? Like, no, I don't. I don't think this is a noble exercise. Absolutely not. Then, in October of 2019, they held a press conference alleging that Elizabeth Warren had gauged, engaged in an extramarital affair with a 24-year-old ex-Marine. Stop fucking lying to people. <laughs> it's so obvious. Jesus Christ. Who claimed that he had been hired from a website called cowboysforangels.com okay. by the name of Kelvin Willie. Uh, he claimed that he had served in Afghanistan and received a Purple Heart. However, of course, his service record showed that while he was a Marine, he was never deployed to Afghanistan and he had never received a Purple Heart. By the way, they called their smear campaign project Project 1599. <laughs> I don't know what that could mean, but my <laughs> suspicion is they just went one number off from 1488. Prove me wrong. Uh <laughs> The, this press conference was completely bonkers. And basically at this point, the DC community had gotten wind of how fun they were. So there was a crowd of hecklers and people there for the show who would come just to show up and be there. And it literally began with that TV that was always on the steps out front with an image that just said, Elizabeth Warren, cougar? <laughs> Question mark? I mean, sure. And there was a brief statement at the beginning by Jacob Wool in response to the hecklers who would not stop laughing, um, accusing them of disrespecting the troops. Okay. And then here's how Sounds it like she respected the troops, 100%. Uh, and then here's how it went after that. Sorry, just quick question. What's the get here? Like, what is it just literally like she had an affair, therefore is untrustworthy? Like, that's the... I mean, she was running for president at the sure, time. Sure, but, like, um, Trump had several affairs. Like. You know, it broke down really hard, and I think someone did ask them a question like that, and they were just like, well, the difference between Donald Trump and Elizabeth Warren... <laughs> Elizabeth Warren's is, a woman, and that's bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I have it here in my notes somewhere, because Jacob... I'll, we'll get to it after we listen to this clip, okay? It's a, okay. It's a somewhat longer clip, but sure, it's sure, fucking sure. great. We'll hear okay. it. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Kevin Welly, and as Jack Burtman and uh, Jake Bull said here, I'm 25 years old, and I'm a United States combat veteran. Tonight, I uh, this evening, I bring you here to talk about how me and Senator Warren had our escapade. Senator He's, so hey. is that crazy for cry crazy <laughs> yeah, for yeah, life? Yeah. People <laughs> are playing music in the background. Nobody gives a fuck. 
Uh, but he is so clearly reading from a script that it, it's ridiculous. And So are keep, you right now, to be fair. No, I'm kidding. True, but I'm good <laughs> at pretending I'm not. But uh, just keep an ear out for it because you'll hear, and you can see if you watch the video, again, it's linked in the show notes, uh, you can hear him laughing when he gets to a line he didn't know he was going to be reading. Okay. Because he was so clearly not presented with this beforehand. Okay. And just, as he's reading, cannot help himself but realize this is fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren first secured my services from a website called Cowboys for Angels. The site is for attractive young men, as you can see. Who provide companionship, escort services, to be well-heeled women. I was hired by Senator Warren from the site on August 7th of 2018. She reached out by messaging me on the site. Pay no mind. <laughs> <laughs> on August 8th of 2018, oh on August 8th of 2018, Man, I was right. booked okay, by... The laughing ass is off or you have to leave the property. I'm not going to tell you, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Stop laughing at our very serious story. I was booked by Senator Warren on a flight to Massachusetts. It's troubling that he can't pronounce Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's a hard one. It's not like he can't pronounce Maine. Like, I was told to take an Uber to a lobby of the Hilton. I'm sorry, of the Hilton Hotel in Woburn, Massachusetts. Gets I it wrong twice. With the instructions of my new client, despite being rather nervous. <laughs> I had to spend time with an older woman many times before, but never a woman over sixty. Oh wow. Did someone say nice? Yeah. <laughs> Although I was unaware of it at the time, Senator Warren wanted not just rough sex, oh. but extensive BDSM play, which I'm sure you're quite familiar with, I'm sure. On the early morning of August 8th, before boarding my flight, she messaged me and told me to bring toys. Oh. I asked, what kind of toys? And she said, surprise me. At that point, while waiting to board my flight, I ordered a Hitachi massager and a small tube of water-based lubricant. I had the products delivered via Amazon, <laughs> as we all do. <laughs> all right. All right. It's fucking outstanding, man. Okay, this is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as we all do. You know, as all right, we all do. Sure. This guy, look, I, I highly suggest going and watching this video. This one in particular is fucking amazing. This is my favorite one of the whole lot. Of okay, them. it's really fucking great. So, how did they end up in jail? How did they end up? Yeah, we're, convi- getting what, we're getting okay, there. Okay, but we're taking a long time to get there. I so know, let's get on. I, with I it. know. So, uh, you know, it, it's he's so clearly reading a script and he's just loving it every minute of it. Right? He, he starts laughing when he reads some of the lines. Jacob is standing next to him, unable to contain his own smiles and laughter at some point. And honestly, my reading of all this is at this point, Jack and Jacob had given up on honestly trying, and were just really doing it as performance art at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, At one point, Jacob responds to a question by claiming that Trump is peak alpha male, and he can't even contain his own laughter. Like, he really can't. Um, At another point in this event, uh, their accuser takes off his shirt, and showed a scar on his back that he Given claimed to was him from being by Elizabeth Warren. Oh wow! Okay, I was gonna go with fingernails. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Just... 
I, I I should probably make that like the thumbnail photo for the yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the, those uh, enterprising internet sleuths were able to find that he had clearly posted numerous photos on his Instagram with that scar before he well claimed before. to have ever yeah. even met the senator. Uh, he also, by the way, has the tattoo from the movie Triple X in the oh, middle weird. of his back. Just, just like, back. just literally Triple X. That's just the, the, the three X's, the three red X's. Yeah, that's cool. what it is. Uh, they followed this up with an attempt at Kamala Harris, who eventually told the Daily Beast, uh, uh, their accuser, um, told the Daily Beast that he had been hired on Craigslist and that he thought this on Craigslist. It's ridiculous. (laughs) He thought that it was an audition for a spike TV show and that all the reporters and everyone were actors too. Um, at that press conference, they had a woman singing the national anthem to begin it while carnival music was being played in the background by the crowd. And then they had a fake reverend reading from a script who mispronounced Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, and who also told Zach Patrizzo beforehand that he'd been paid $200 to be there again from Craigslist. (laughs) And then Jacob put them in jail for their own safety at this point. Honestly, Jesus. Jacob paid someone else to serve him a fake cease and desist from Kamala Harris. Uh, and then Jacob threatened to spray people with a garden hose for clowning on him, but someone had already turned the hose off. <laughs> someone was there wearing a corn cob outfit. It was just fucking amazing. 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 It was fucking amazing. Uh, then 11 days after that one, they held one with Milo, uh, swearing Nancy Pelosi and Ted Cruz while someone played a banjo in the crowd. Someone was blaring an air horn. <laughs> Eventually, the cops showed up because of a noise complaint. They used the same actor who had done the national anthem 11 days prior as their Ted Cruz accuser, but this time with sunglasses and her hair down. I love everything a, about they, they got someone with a fake mustache. They put a fake mustache on a woman uh, and gave her a big cowboy hat so and were like, great. yeah. It's so great. But then they finally, for the first time in their lives, got an actual scoop. No, got an actual scoop. Because during the Roger Stone trial, they released the confidential jury questionnaires that all the prospective jurors had filled out when they had been going through Do we know how they got those? Well, Benedict, there are two ways they could have gotten it. Uh, They could have gotten it from the prosecution, or they could have gotten it from somebody else. I'll let you guess. I'll let you guess. I'll let you guess where they got it. <laughs> okay. Roger Stone. Yeah. Uh, they did this because a few jurors had basically said that they watched MSNBC and they used it to claim that the trial was rigged. Biased. Yeah. Um, it eventually resulted in the FBI investigating them for obstruction of justice, but no word on where that went. One where that one went. So, where are they today, Benedict? That's what you've been asking this. Whole I time. have been. Yeah. Well, in 2020, Jacob started an OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> get your bag. You know, get your bag. <laughs> Which apparently contained basically just shirtless photos of him after he decided to start weight weightlifting oh, and God. admitting to using steroids. <laughs> There's a clip of him. I don't know. I don't know where it is, but it's just him sitting in front of a camera. He's like, people always they always ask me, uh, oh, there's no way you did that naturally. You're using steroids. Yep. Yeah. Of course <laughs> I use steroids. 
Uh, they tried to do another sexual assault, assault smear about Anthony Fauci, uh, which was mostly ignored, but involved a fake law firm. And this time, an AI-generated profile photo. Oh, fun. Okay. Just step up for better. them. We're learning. Yeah, okay. step up. Uh, but their accuser this time recorded a phone call of Wolin Berkman acknowledging that they had paid her to make the false claims and saying, quote, in a situation like that, which they meant like shutdowns and stuff, you have to make up whatever you have to make up to stop that train. Uh, and at one point, Jacob and Jack got tricked when they called into a radio show with their accuser, who the radio show had also gotten on, who said on the air that they had paid her to lie. Great. And and they just spent like 10 minutes stumbling through. I, <laughs> That's I, not I, really I just, a trick. I, I just though, don't, I don't, it's I don't just agree. Like, I don't I... agree with the characterization. <laughs> okay. That's not really a trick. That's just like you've been confronted with the truth. <laughs> like... uh, they paid actors on Craigslist to stake a fake FBI raid on Jack's home in September of 2020. Uh, but of course, most recently, uh, they faced trial for their robocalls to minority voters in Michigan and other places in 2020. Which is actually illegal. <laughs> is is actually very much so illegal, and I'll play one of them for you right now. I have heard these before, and I already know. I like. I I remember it being bad, but I'm not prepared for how bad it's, it's gonna bad. be. It's pretty bad. Mail-in voting sounds great, but did you know that if you vote by mail, your personal information will be part of a public database that will be used by police departments to track down old warrants, and be used by credit card companies to collect outstanding debt. So that's that's not great. That's no. one of them. There's yep. one more, which I'll play for you really quickly here. The CDC is even pushing to use records for mail-in voting to track people for mandatory vaccines. Mm. Don't be finessed into giving your private information to the man. Stay safe and beware of vote by mail. Don't give your information to the man. Mm. And beware of vote by mail. Because so that was kind of hard to hear, but I think what he was saying was the CDC is using it yes. to track down people to force to have vacu- mandatory vaccines. Yeah, 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 that's that's cool. that's the kind of bullshit cool. yeah, that they're doing good. out there. So that is, as it turns out, illegal. Yes, as it is. Okay. As a matter of fact, that is a civil rights violation. <laughs> oh, awesome! So they've literally yeah. been convicted of civil civil rights violations. Yeah. That's uh, the two pled guilty in Ohio for these robocalls. Why were they? The I thought you said it was Michigan. Why were they tried in Ohio? So they they were tried. They have uh, several states. Several okay, states, uh, <laughs> they are wanted by several states. So Ohio is where they pled guilty, and they okay. were sentenced to 500 hours of community service for registering voters in D.C. Uh, they also face fines of up to five million dollars from the Federal Election Commission for these calls. Uh, they face charges in Detroit. That's Michigan, Benedict. I understand. Uh, and, and they're being sued in federal court in New York for the calls that they had made there. Great. But most importantly, Benedict. Jacob Wall is still not back on Twitter. Okay. Why? That, that's the end. That's it. Okay, that's, that's the it. End of the, story. the, the yeah, end. Okay, right. That was supposed to be the nice little uh, button on the end of the story, Ben. There it is. Then you have Sorry. to say some bullshit after. Do you want to try again? <laughs> no. Okay. I think we're going to leave it just where it is. So... I fucking love Jacob Wall. Yeah. I love everything about this man. I, I love think, his little civil rights violating ass. <laughs> look, my honest thought is that, uh, uh, you know, Donald Trump should not be back on Twitter, but Elon should put Jacob Wall back on because the man did more damage to his side than he ever did benefit to them. Honestly, I think that's probably bullshit. true of Donald Trump too. <laughs> eh, it might be. Who knows? But I'm waiting for that oh, day. Gosh. I'm waiting for that day that Jacob right. comes back What a back ride. On. That was fun. What a ride. God. 
So uh, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $1 an episode. For patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of all our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Isaac Horvat, Clifton Stuckey, Paws, Lilith 210, A Baby, Mwah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C., J.D., George Saulnier, Janet Yutter, Stefan, Shannon Hailman, Utah Outcast, Brent Lee, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacaw, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, Taro Tacannon, and Balls Waterson. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, don't give your patronage to the man. Goodbye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.